as a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to have powers, and I wanted that because I wanted people to admire me for something, I guess. I wanted to be celebrated. When you have full-blown self-expression and there's no barriers holding you back, it's truly powerful. This is Gender Euphoria, a limited podcast series from Broccoli Content. My name is Hannah Walker-Brown, and over the next seven episodes, I'm going to be interviewing people I really admire about when they feel most like themselves, what brings them joy and pleasure, and their individual journeys to self-acceptance. When we only talk about pain, misery, trans people are turned into statistics, and it, it takes the human nature of us away. Being yourself is radical. It's an act of defiance in itself, just allowing yourself to live authentically. In this episode, I'm talking to Crystal. My name is Crystal, and I am a drag performer and hairy transvestite that you probably know from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. So maybe let's start with hearing a little bit about how you became Crystal. Oh my god, it was kind of an accident. So I started doing burlesque shows when I lived in Montreal, and I was producing shows. They're kind of like neo-burlesque, so kind of like when burlesque was big and before drag had its big renaissance we were doing kind of neo-burlesque shows so really queer really in your face like funny weird not your classic burlesque and then I moved to London after doing like self-producing like five big shows in Montreal I moved to London and then I kind of parked all of that for about five or six years and I was just basically like doing the London thing trying to survive having a nice time and then I finally got like a decent corporate job. I was working for a a luxury crystal retailer, if you can believe it. And I was like wearing a suit to to work every day and being quite quite buttoned down and just feeling like I'd kind of lost a lot of the creativity and the show stuff from my life. And it, it all kind of happened without me even really realizing it. And I realized I was missing it. So I decided I would start putting on shows again. I was also studying aerial circus at the time as like a kind of physical hobby. So I was like, oh, maybe I could do like a circus show and like I'll book some burlesque performers and I'll book some drag queens and see what happens. And it was just kind of like the idea to do a variety show. And I did a few of those and I was booking drag queens and I was just like in awe of their makeup and the performance. And so I just wanted to start dabbling with that a bit. And I basically just did. And then quickly realized that like, I was I found something I was really interested in and enjoying and I started just trying to pursue it a little bit more. Um still with no real aim or goal or like I didn't I didn't set out to become a drag queen and I kind of still don't consider myself a drag queen a lot of the time. Um but I I just kind of found this thing that kept snowballing. Um I didn't have a drag name for the first probably year I was performing. I didn't really know what to call myself and um, my boy name is Colin and it just did not sound great on stage. So I was like, fuck, I need, I need something. Um, and like I said, I was working for this, this crystal brand 
that you probably know, but I also, um, I was obsessed with like healing crystals and I had actually been nicknamed crystal by some friends when I was a teenager. Like there were lots of reasons that kind of took me down that crystal path. Um, but it was, it always, it was just basically a big accident. <laughs> and can you remember the first time that you stepped into the clothes of Crystal, putting on the makeup as Crystal, as opposed to you in a suit working for a Crystal company? Yeah, I, I really can. And I think it was the first time I can really remember it was I was trying to do a, an act around the blue diva from Fifth Element. And I tried to do my face and it was an absolute disaster. And um, I had booked T.T. Bang, who is this amazing drag queen in London. Um, and she basically just sorted me out backstage. She just stuck a bunch of jewels to my face and and helped me with my lashes and blended me out a bit. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this person in the mirror? She's gorgeous. Um and I just, re- I really do remember feeling like that, like, oh my God, I've, I've, I've tapped something I didn't know was in me. And when you're wearing a suit, what does that feel like? It always really chafed, to be honest with you. I've never been that corporate person and I've never, I've never liked having to button myself down. And it's funny that like I was working for this brand that was to the outside really like sparkly fun glamorous fashion um actually the offices were really like home counties and so i was constantly kind of playing a bit of um identity identity like disguise i guess like trying to figure out how to make myself acceptable to this corporate world that liked that i was gay and that i brought all that but like they didn't want it too much um i remember like i'd only been working there a couple of months and uh, I went on holiday to Sitches with some gay friends and we like all put on bikinis and wigs and went out to the bars just to like have a fun like demi drag time. And this like I hadn't done any drag at this point. Like it really wasn't in drag. I was wearing a bikini and a wig. Um, but I posted photos on my Facebook and I remember getting hauled into HR being, and then being like, you just really need to consider like what kind of brand you're presenting to the world and like, if, is this really how you want to be perceived? Because I know that you're friends with a couple of people in the office on Facebook. So, you know, people are talking and that really set the tone for the entire experience of my career. There I was like, Oh, there's, there's a point of me. That's there's some of me that's too much. Um, and I need to be careful about that if I want to succeed here. Uh, so it couldn't have been more stark really. And I guess it, kind of encourages you to hide to button down not just in how you're dressed but to actually button down the essence of who you are absolutely and I never knew if that had come from like my boss or if it was the person in HR who was a little bit like not homophobic but I mean yes homophobic (laughs) and I I never knew who it came from so I was always really on edge I was like was it this just like this person trying to do me a favor or was this was she doing this because it had come from my boss and I remember I was on a temporary contract at that point like I was on a six-month trial contract so it I remember thinking oh if I want to like get a permanent job here I'm gonna have to change myself a little bit 
And it must just chip away and chip away at you if you're constantly being asked to be someone and something you're not for the sake of another person's comfort. 100%. But then I think on the flip side, I don't think I ever would have discovered drag or gone down this route if I hadn't felt so repressed at work. Um, it was it was really like I was living two extremes, like fully suited corporate professional during the day and like not so drag at night on the weekends. And I think it was because both of those extremes were so extreme that I found the drag. So I wonder, yeah, like if I had just stayed working in jobs like in because I was before that I had worked for fashion designers that were like really independent and I could just, you know, I could turn up with nail varnish on and I could wear whatever I want. And I could just express myself however I felt like it. And no one ever thought that that was a problem. So I wonder if I would have discovered drag if that had kind of, if I'd still been able to like stay to the middle of the road. And you mentioned that Crystal was your nickname as a teenager, which is kind of like the movie perfect beginning to the story of your life. But I wonder back then, were you already aware of this intrinsic desire, I suppose, to use your creativity in this way as an outward expression of who you are? Or did you find yourself restricted within that as a kid? And I mean, I suppose I don't want to call them rules, but there are societal and cultural rules in inverted commas that are impressed on us, even as kids, like especially as kids that we abide by or we follow, be it in terms of our sexuality or our gender identity, how we dress, what even, you know, what music we like. Yeah, I think that when I was a kid, I very much did that. But it's interesting that you said like, you don't want to call them rules because I didn't know they were rules. So I was really into fantasy um, and I would wander around with, like I would pick up any stick I could find and I would use it to cast spells. And I was a witch and I was a sorceress and I was, you know, living in this like lovely fairy tale world. I remember I used to get my mom to draw me princesses so I could color them in. And she would, I would be like, yeah, it has to have a really big skirt and it has to have all of these jewels all over it and I can color it in. And I, so like, I remember all of that stuff, but um, I definitely put that all aside when I kind of hit puberty because I realized, oh, this is not making me friends. This is keeping me like apart from everyone. Ironically, despite that, like I ended up spending most of my teenage years like pretty isolated anyway so I probably should have just continued being myself and not worried about it so much and it would have worked out a, a lot better I guess yes and no is is the answer like I would once I realized that there were rules I think I tried to follow them and I think I probably kept trying to follow them to some degree until I kind of hit my 20s and then I started to be like oh actually you know what like I can do what I want and the freedom that comes with being like I'm an out gay person suddenly I get to skip a lot of the rules that I don't like. So in terms of being 20 and realizing, you know, actually I can be myself, was there anything that encouraged that or was there a turning point? Yeah, I think it was just making my first gay friends and going to gay bars <laughs> and and like dancing and I don't know, like just experiencing that there were other people like me, I guess. It's it's like it's a tale as old as time, but like the seeing people being out and unapologetically queer, like that that does it. 
And I guess like anything, it's easier if someone else has gone first. Like if we've seen someone do the thing we want to do and succeeded, it almost gives us the confidence to at least, you know, contemplate trying it. You know, if someone has done what I want to do and they've done it well, there might just be a chance for me. And it's not to say that, you know, someone else lays the blueprint, but it does feel like the impossible can feel possible if there's someone else out there that's achieved it yeah 100% and it gives you the freedom to to realize that like there are there are choices to be made over how you present yourself and who you want to be and you can make those choices for yourself it doesn't have to be a choice that someone else makes for you yeah absolutely and so when do you feel most like yourself when are you your most confident it can happen anytime and it can happen when I'm in drag or it can happen when I'm out of drag and um the sad reality I think is it probably comes down to like feeling attractive and that's like something I continue to work on with myself because I think it's ultimately a losing game um like feeling good about myself, I think still tends to come from like a feeling of external validation. And it's kind of sad to admit that in my mid thirties that I'm still like, oh, I only like myself when other people like me. Um, but I think that's kind of everyone's life's work to a greater or lesser extent. So I can feel really attractive out of drag. And then that, that can like make me feel really fantastic. Um, what I do think is interesting about drag is that I can feel amazing without it requiring someone else's validation. Um, because I don't get really any like sexual gratification from being in drag. Some people do. Um, but for me, it's not about that. It's like about creating a character. So I can feel like I can feel amazing in drag without it being hinging on any desirability, I guess which I think is interesting. And maybe that's why, maybe that's part of the reason I like it so much is because I don't have to worry about that validation or I'm like, I'm validating myself. I think most drag performers will tell you that anyway, that like doing drag kind of helps you unlock um, confidence or a part of yourself that you don't necessarily always have access to. So I think that's pretty common, but um, yeah, I guess that's maybe where that kind of, that good feeling comes from. And if we think about gender euphoria as an idea, so finding pleasure in yourself, in your body, in your identity, what does that bring up for you? The immediate thing that I channel when you say that is like 5am in a queer rave, like dancing to disco <laughs> and just being like totally immersed in a in an experience and like lost in, in that moment. Um, I think I've probably also had that feeling in drag. Like we did a really amazing run of shows for secret cinema for their Romeo and Juliet. And we were basically creating the party scene in Romeo and Juliet, you know, the one and people were coming in in waves of like 200 people. And we, I was there with, five friends all in drag and our job was just to like dance to disco music and make the people coming in feel like they were having the best party ever and I remember just feeling like super free and 
yeah, just really like, I guess euphoric as well. And so, and I was presenting, you know, as, as female or as something other than male, definitely doing that. So I don't think that the euphoria is limited to like gender. I think it's, it's about freedom and that freedom can be expressed through any gender and you said in your intro hairy transvestite and this idea of kind of dismantling what's expected and making up your own rules and I think that's where freedom comes from isn't it when you're not restrained or you don't have to fit that mold of expectation totally because as drag has become more popular all of it's developed its own set of rules and so um it's kind of it's in danger of losing its own iconoclasm if that's a word if you know what i mean like so i i i have consciously kept my chest hair even as i've become you know well known because i want to make sure that i'm still reminding people of like i'm not trying to be a woman and if you see a woman when you look at me then i mean that's on you it's not on me um, and so I wanted to ask you, who is the authentic you? <laughs> what does that look like or sound like or smell like? Um, the authentic me is the person that doesn't, that like exists once you strip away all of the the shame, I guess. Because I think authenticity pride all of those things those are that those are words to describe the absence of shame in my in my opinion um and yeah drag is one way of accessing that but there are other ways as well where does that shame come from i think it's just like growing up queer and feeling feeling othered because of that being ostracized as a teenager and like not fitting in and trying to figure out what was like off with me that made people not you know want to be my friend and knowing that like something about you is deemed wrong by society constantly trying to like figure out how to make yourself fit in Um, and if you do that for long enough at such a formative part of your life like that's bound to have lasting repercussions regardless of how far we go there's there is a ceiling to the level at which like someone can grow up feeling different even if they're not getting as many as many messages from society that there is something wrong with them there you'll always have that moment where you realize that you know your dad doesn't like wanted to play sports with you and now doesn't or like to use a really cliched example or like your mother is protecting you from something or um you know the kids at school are calling you names and you everyone seems to understand something about you that you don't understand about yourself um because like i had i had incredibly supportive parents who always told me that like I could be whatever I wanted. They obviously knew from a very young age that I was queer. Um, And I wasn't particularly bullied at school or anything like that. But so despite like having a really good set of 
a really good situation and like a setup, um, I still managed to internalize all of those messages. So, um, I think, I I think until society moves on, like again, there's always going to be something there. You have these very distinct parts of you, Crystal, Colin, and this is kind of a strange question, but what are the things that you like about both? And obviously they will reconcile at points because they are inherently you, and you as in, I'm thinking of it as kind of a soul and energy rather than a physical body, but are there distinct characteristics that one has and not the other? Interesting. Yeah, there probably are, actually. I've never really thought about it like that. But um, I guess, oh, and it sounds like I'm having a schizophrenic break when to talk about it like this. But like, I guess Colin probably likes about Crystal, like that Crystal doesn't give a shit about what anyone thinks and, um, you know, wants to get on stage and wants to show off and um, wants to be the center of attention. And I guess Crystal probably appreciates Colin's like gentleness and thoughtfulness and like sense of reflection and um, kind of willingness to question like, why am I doing this and what's it for and what's my aim and is it all right? And all of that stuff. Um, And like both of those things can on either side can be taken a little bit too far and then they become tedious because you're like, stop overthinking things or don't be, don't be such a show off. But um, I guess every every good side can can go bad when it's taken to extreme. And I wonder what life would have been like if you hadn't had that outlet and getting up on stage and, you know, not giving a fuck and being crystal. Hmm. Well, the optimist in me says that I would have found the the reconciliation within myself without having to resort to like having an alter ego. Um, the, but the pessimist says I would probably just be a bit bored and a bit dull. (laughs) I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful that I found drag because it, it gives me this wonderful outlet into all sorts of things that I never would have experienced. So, um, I'm glad I never have to find out what life would be like without it. And I wonder if you have a moment or a real highlight of life. So as a kid, you know, you're there with your magic wand, coloring in these amazing princess dresses, and then to now wearing the most incredible clothes, getting up on stage, being this big performer. Has there been a moment along the way where you felt totally euphoric in yourself in that acknowledgement of how far you've come or that you actually, you know, kind of held on to that part of you that perhaps wanted this all along? Well, like, as a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. Um, I wanted to have powers. I wanted to, and I wanted that because I wanted, I wanted, like, people to, admired me for something I guess probably like I wanted to be celebrated um so I think anytime that I'm on stage and there's hundreds or thousands of people like being 
entertained or amazed or anything by what I'm doing on stage. Like that's a really powerful feeling. And we, yeah, like the, the, the official tour that we did after, after drag race finished filming and we like went around the country and were in these big massive theaters and I was able to do aerial circus routines, basically dressed as a superhero. Like, I don't know. That's kind of like a culmination feeling. Um, so basically you can be a superhero if you want so just to end what is your favourite outfit it's going to have to just be something that's like loud and skin tight and reflective (laughs) Which, incidentally, is the name of my new EP. No. Uh, (laughs) um, Just something where you, like, you're, like, held in by it. So I'm I'm instantly thinking, like, a a red PVC Mm catsuit. Like Britney. Like Britney. Mm -hmm. But without the flares. (laughs) (laughs) Why were they boot cut? <laughs> Everything had to be boot cut at that time. 